Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, offering Jesus-shaped perspectives and anchors for the soul. I'm your host, Jeremy Berg, and you can learn more about me and our ministry at kingdomharbor.com. Now let's get into today's episode. So I think there's something in the uh, the very wiring of the human brain that 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 craves simplicity, uh, boiling down the complexity of our human experience into uh, into like uh, simple black and white, either or, two options, please. And we are living in times of deep polarization, and we live in a country that. Uh, it's very government is built on a two party, two option system. And as I think about and ponder our deep division, our polarization, and what might be a path forward towards health and growth uh, of, of listening to one another, of peace and unity, um, I think a part of it is coming to understand that human maturity, growth in our relationships with others requires we learn to move beyond our basic elementary carnal desire for simple black and white answers because reality is not black and white it's more complicated and complex as much as we wish it were otherwise so i think um um you know when you you i'm no expert on this but as you begin to uh you know, teach your kids right and wrong. You you begin um, by boiling things down, keeping things simple, um, because we know that uh, an a, a, a say a fifth, sixth grade mind is not ready to handle too much complexity. It would overwhelm them. So we we try to boil things down to. Uh, very concrete options, but we don't want to remain perpetual junior high thinkers. And I think that's what we have in our culture. I think we have a complete lack of discernment, wisdom, um, uh, an an ability to handle nuance, uh, to hear the finer points, to uh, uh, ponder and accept the gray area that all around the black and the white. And so I have felt very homeless, very, very, um, I, I, it's, it's, it's hard because I, I, I pride myself in being um, somewhat um, open-minded and somewhat uh, well-read, and, and I try really hard to not get locked into one echo chamber. Right. But more than that, Today, I want to say that I think one of the antidotes to getting locked into a, a rigid, combative sort of either-or mentality is to become a student of history. When you are a student, an appreciator of history, you it's a, it's a time machine that transports you out of the current moment 
we get locked into our current conversation, the current talking points, the current disagreements and divisions. And we, we begin to, if you can step into, um, uh, like pick up a book that would transport you to a different time in history, you would begin to, uh, see a, you'd see that, wow, we have been navigating similar questions for centuries if not millennia, would be you'll begin to see that good Christian, Bible-believing followers of Jesus have, have not always thought in the, the way that we think today. And that begins to broaden your, your perspective. It begins to open your mind to uh, different ways of, of navigating life and uh, politics and ethics and all these things. Anyway, I say all this is sort of uh, to lead me up to uh, a piece that I just heard. I was listening to a podcast, uh, a great conversation between John Mark Comer being interviewed. Um, and he uh, he has a new book out, which I will hopefully uh, talk about later in a future episode or blog. But in it, um, he uh, shares about the um, a great book written by Larry Hurtado on early the early Christian movement and how it spread rapidly across the Roman Empire. Uh, what was it about the early Christian movement that uh, that made it grow so fast? Uh, was it, it its relevance to the culture of the day, or was it its distinctiveness? Moreover, uh, Larry Hurtado. And this is uh, this is uh, apparently Tim Keller's summary of Larry Hurtado's book, Destroyer of the Gods, boiled down by John Mark Comer into five key features that made that the early church was comprised of, that made it tick. And I want to play this clip and offer a few thoughts on the other side. So uh, sound quality is not great. But the content is profound, and it can, if you will let it, it will pull us out of our black and white or red and blue echo chambers and begin to invite us to imagine a third way, a third way that, that listens to both the, the passions and the pursuits of, of, the, of the liberal movement in America as well as the conservative impulses in the Christian movement and takes us down a third path that I think is what the early church was all about as it lived into the New Testament vision of the kingdom that Jesus left us, a vision that we need to recapture today. So check out this. Enjoy. Larry Hurtado is deceased now, was a well widely respected historian of early Christianity and wrote a number of books that are just fascinating. He has one called Destroyer of the Gods that basically, which is a great title, um, that's from an insult from a Roman, I forget who it was, who basically was ranting against Christians and calling them the destroyers of the gods. Called, you know, Christians were called atheists for centuries because they refute, they didn't buy paganism. And they said, Zeus is either a figment of your imagination or he's just a demon. He's not Zeus. And there's one true creator, God, and his name is the Father, and he's come to us in the Son. 
And in 300 years, this violently persecuted tiny little Jewish sect became the dominant force in the empire and eventually overcame paganism and the empire itself. And so he just tells that story and his basic, let me, this is my, my interpretation of his book. He's basically saying that the church grew at such an extraordinary pace, not because it was relevant and relatable to the culture, but for the exact opposite reason. It was distinct from the culture and different than the culture. And that contrast was actually like the secret of its success. Otherwise, why would people join a movement that you knew was likely to get you killed or at least socially ostracized? It makes no logical sense unless if there was something so compelling about this Jesus movement that was so different and so distinct from the culture that you would be willing to give up at least your economic and social capital, if not your life itself. And Hurtado basically outlines five kind of basic features of Christian distinctiveness, many of which sound very common, don't sound radical to us today, specifically because Christianity has so permeated the ethos of the West. They are, if I can do this from memory, Number one, they were, um, the early church was, had a very high value for kind of what we would call diversity, equity, and inclusion. It was a multi-ethnic and multi-racial expression of church, which was almost unheard of. Number two, they were um, spread across socioeconomic lines. So you had Roman elite intellectuals next to slaves in these little catacomb churches and house churches. And there literally was nothing like that in the ancient world. Number three, their uh, definition of sexuality was what we would consider Christian, was even more radical in the first century than it is in the 21st century of sex being between one man and one woman for life until death do us part. That was a, whether wherever you were in the Roman Empire, that was an absolutely radical, absurd idea. What we think of as a traditional idea was not traditional at the time, it was radical. Number four, they were active in their um, in their fight against infanticide and abortion. Obviously, abortion was medically more dangerous, so the exposure of babies was the common way that you would abort a child. You carry it to turn. Study Sparta. They did that. Just leave them out in the field, put them in a jar. Exactly. Put it out at the town dump. They'd either just be exposed and killed by the elements, or they'd be picked up by slavers and raised to be slaves. And the Christians became like the first adoption agencies in the world and would go around and would adopt these babies and bring them in. And you were expected as a Christian to limit your sexuality to your spouse and then raise up children. And then finally, Christians were nonviolent. Um, for the first, you know, several centuries, at least until Augustine, they basically was not okay to be in the military and a follower of Jesus. They were both politically and personally non-retaliatory. They would not fight their enemies. They attempted to love them and would rather die than take a life. And what's interesting about those five distinctives, I think Keller's the one who points this out. The first two sound like, like if you map those five things onto American or North American politics, the first two sound liberal because they're talking about race and class. Mm. The second two sound conservative because they're talking about sexuality, gender, abortion. And the last one doesn't fit either side. Nonviolence doesn't really go with Democrat or Republican, left or right, you know? And, um, and, but it's these, these five things that really don't exist in any other movement around. I mean, name a political party that is built around these five ideas yeah, none of, of racial justice, socioeconomic equality, uh, sexual, what we call traditional Christian sex ethics, 
anti-abortion and non-violent, non-militaristic. I mean, name who else believes that except Christians and not even most Christians today, ancient Christians, you know? So this, this is, I'm so glad. You... So this piece just sums up everything that has been, that I've been trying to communicate for the past five years as a pastor in the pulpit, as I have immersed myself in the, the kingdom, kingdom teachings of Jesus, uh, paying attention to not just the, the individual personal salvation narrative that we evangelicals uh, have, have traded in for, uh, for so long, but listening and paying attention to the social and political edges of the kingdom teachings. I have tried to call Christians to, to pay attention and be shaped by the New Testament vision. And I have tried time and time again to tell people that Jesus doesn't fit into red or blue camp. He just doesn't. He transcends them. And, and, and uh, some of the, the, the impulses of, of the liberal, um, more liberal-leaning Christians and uh, politics in America are really at least paying attention to issues that Jesus um, wants us to pay attention to, though I think going about it wrongheadedly often, or going to extremes that Jesus wouldn't go to. And on the other side, um, the Jesus movement captures a lot of the conservative, what the conservatives value today. And I just sit here looking at the whole loud middle school band rehearsal that is our current political um, situation. And I just scratch my head and say, can we all rally around Jesus flag and begin to admit that our right left binaries are not leading us toward the kingdom, but leading us towards greater division. So friends, at the end of the day, I have no solutions for uh, the American uh, experiment. I only have a calling and a responsibility to pursue Jesus and to become again, to call us out of the noise of the political um, shouting match and to form once again communities that would echo this, uh, that would reflect the, the beauty of the early church that captured the hearts and imaginations of a very powerful and cruel empire. And they won it over with their loving, their grace-filled witness the breaking down of social barriers, commitment to a, um, um, a marriage ethic and sexual ethic, and so much more. Man, I think the church is the answer. It is God's best hope for the world, only insofar as we get back to actually reflecting Jesus, taking his teaching seriously. And let me just say um, that fifth feature of being a, a community of nonviolence, learning how to love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, that is going to be the hardest one for us to wrap our head around. Um, uh, that is the one that makes me feel most alienated from uh, other American Christians as I, uh, man, I've long held to a nonviolent pacifist position. And let me tell you, there's nothing that will get you more uh, dirty looks than uh, trying to hold to that uh, 
radical upside down kingdom teaching in a world that in a country, in a nation that prizes itself in power over and not uh, turning the other cheek and laying down our rights to lift up others. Well, let's much to think about today. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back soon for some more um, thoughts to keep you anchored in Jesus, a Jesus-shaped Christianity. Grace and peace.